This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to season 10 of the Parenting Aces podcast. We are part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, and I am your host, Lisa Stone. We are talking with Dr. Michelle Clear today about an issue that I think will resonate with a lot of you. We will be talking about helping our children deal with comments that come from their peers as well as adults about appearance body image, and all of those types of things, and what we can do as parents to help our children build their resiliency to handle these types of comments when they come their way. Before I bring Dr. Michelle Clear on, however, I want to just remind you, if you're not already, we'd love for you to become a premium member of Parenting Aces. You just need to go to parentingaces.com and click on the join button. While you're there, be sure to look through our podcast archives, our article archives, and if you're so inclined, you can do a little shopping while you're on the website. Also, just a reminder that we are coming to the end of season 10. We've got one more podcast after this one, and then we're going to be taking a little hiatus until January. So if there are any episodes that you've missed, this is the perfect opportunity to go back and catch up on all of the episodes of Parenting Aces. You can do that on our website or on your favorite podcast app. So without further ado, I am going to bring on Dr. Michelle Clear, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Dr. Michelle Clear, it's so great to see you again. Thanks for coming back on the podcast. It's been a minute. It has been a minute, but I'm always glad to talk to you, Lisa, and I'm so glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Of course. So our topic this week is one of those that... Like, I knew this existed, but never really personalized it until I had a conversation with another mom who was talking to me about her child's experience being an extra tall kid and a kid who grew very fast, very young, and has been getting a lot of grief over that, not just from her peers, but sadly, from the adults in the room as well. And so I wanted to have you on to talk about body image for young players, yes, but beyond that, the messaging and the word choices and the things that our children pick up on that we're not always aware that they're picking up on and how they 
utilize that, whether it's a positive utilization or a negative one, and how it impacts their ability to perform in their sport. So I'm going to be quiet. I just let you talk for a few minutes. <laughs> well, wow. Yeah, this is a big topic. But, you know, Lisa, I think the thing that's interesting, right, is like this has happened throughout, you know, throughout time, right? You're tall, you're short, you're fat, you're skinny, you wear glasses, you have braces, you have a funny haircut, right? Like, yeah. I mean, these things impact kids. Right. Um, and, you know, it is unfortunate because with most all of these things that I just mentioned, right? Yeah, it's not just other kids. It's unfortunately the adults, too, who are not being appropriate, right, when it comes to having having conversations with these kids or talking to them. It, yeah, and, you know, this is, this has happened forever. Right. Um, and I don't it, think it's necessarily always malicious, right? I right. think a lot of times the adults in the room are saying things without understanding the impact that they have on the children that are being yeah. targeted. Yeah. Well, that's even sadder, but I mean, yeah, for me, that's even sadder, right? That we aren't thinking about what we're saying and how that's going to impact. And again, like I deal with this at so many levels, right? In my job, I deal with this when it comes to coaches, when it comes to parents, when it comes to teachers, people just don't think. And, you know, and, and I think part of it too is, I mean, I think if they did stop to think about it, they might not still understand the impact. So I think there's a little bit of that in there, but the bigger piece of it is like, why aren't we stopping to think about what we're saying? I mean, you know what? Like, even if you're thinking it, keep it in your head, right? Like, don't say it out loud. You know what I mean? It's like, ah, uh, yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing that's like really critically important, and I think you sort of mentioned this at the beginning of the conversation is the fact that you know, even if like two adults or two kids are having like a sidebar conversation about like this kid who's, you know, six foot two, right. And 11 years old and is already uncomfortable with that, right. Like can't find shoes to fit or clothes to fit or, you know, whatever, right. Already uncomfortable about that. And then can sense like that these people are talking about them. I mean, it's, you know, it's just kids pick up on everything, Right. From the age of like, you know, two and three years old all the way up. So even if you think that they're not paying attention or they're not listening, I mean, you know, you have kids, they're very perceptive and very like involved with what's going on, even if it's not directly uh, impacting them. Right. Or not impacting them, but they're not directly involved with the conversation or what's happening. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the psychological impacts that you see when you work with young athletes that have had some of these issues, whether they were late bloomers like my kid was, or whether they were early developers and were having their age questions constantly at competitions or just other parents kind of saying, you know, did you see so-and-so there's no way that kid's 
should be playing in the 12s. You know, that kid looks 16. And I mean, we had that on the boy side, you know, with my son, but but you see it in the girl side too. If the girls are developing earlier, you know, maybe they have a teenagery looking body when they're only 11 or 12 years old. Um, what, how are the kids internalizing that and how is it manifesting in their ability to compete effectively? Well, they become totally self-conscious, right? Like things are being said at them. People are talking about them um, and they absorb that and then they become self-conscious and then the doubts, the fears, the negativity, one of the biggest ways, Lisa, I see this, it, especially in girls, is that girls are trying to just be perfect. Because if I can be perfect, then nothing is going to bother me. Nothing bad is going to happen. Everything is going to be great. Yeah, so girls are totally striving in school and tennis to just be perfect, right? Perfect body, perfect hair, perfect grades, no mistakes on the tennis court, perfect games, wanting to always win. This is what I see. I mean, this has, this state of perfection has grown so huge over the last, I don't even know anymore. I used to say like five or six years. Now it's probably 10 years. It's hard to keep track after a period of time, but I, I don't think I work with a female tennis player anymore that doesn't feel the need to strive to be perfect because that's all there is for them. If there's not that, then not, there's nothing, right? Yeah. And we used to, I mean, and, and still do blame that kind of phenomenon on social media, right? That our kids are being inundated with these images and messages of the perfect life. And you know, I've talked about this before, but, you know, we know if we think about it, social media is only showing us the front of stage right. picture. It's not showing us the backstage mess that's going on before the front of stage picture happens. Yeah. And, you know, as adults, hopefully we have the wherewithal to look at social media and understand what we're seeing, but kids don't necessarily have that ability or that maturity to do that. But now what I'm talking about today with you goes beyond yeah. the social media impact. It goes to actual comments being made in front of or at children to make them feel even worse than you know, I, I know as a parent, like we strive to help our children view themselves in a positive manner, right? Good parents do that. You, you say to your child who grew tall at a young age, oh my gosh, how lucky are you? Like, look how athletic you're becoming. Look how, you know, you can hit your serve so much bigger because, You've got those extra few inches on your competition or, you know, your reach at the net is so much wider because of your long arms. Wow. How awesome is that? And we feed them those messages and all that gets undone like that yeah. when they hear one person yep. question, you know, nah, that kid, there's no way that kid's really 12. Yeah. 
It's totally, it's totally true. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, oh gosh, Lisa, I mean, I tell you stories of like, especially moms I've talked to, they've just like sobbed on the other end of the phone. Uh, you know, daughters playing tennis and just don't quite know how to deal with everything that's happening and, you know, much of kind of what we're talking about right now. Um, you know, and then you have, you know, a lot of kids, you know, they reach an age around like 12 ish where, you know, they no longer really listen to parents, right? Like, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, so I think that also makes it incredibly difficult. And in this day and age, the other unfortunate thing that's happening is that parents don't often spend that much time with their kids, mm. right? For a variety of reasons, right? Parents are busy, but kids are. Because we're so, always. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's definitely part of it. And yeah. the kids too. Right. Well, kids spend like, you know, some kids spend like between two and four hours a day playing tennis and six hours a day in school and then another three hours with homework. Yeah. And so really the impact is there, right? The impact really is at the school, right? And at wherever they're playing tennis and with whomever they're playing tennis, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then I think the other piece of this is like, you know, we throw in, especially girls, like they want to be liked, right? Mm -hmm. And they want to be accepted. And that's a critically important thing. Um, You know, I often give this example of like, how in school, right? Like one day you get a hundred on a math quiz, right? And the teacher says, oh, Lisa, good girl. That's so awesome. You did such a great job, right? And so you get this like praise and- um, Endorphin that, rush. Right, 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 <laughs> yeah. right. And uh, the next day you get a 99 and you, you know, the crickets, right? You don't hear anything. So again, like this goes back to like the whole perfectionistic model right? Like, oh, I have to get a hundred in order to get like praise and validation and acceptance, right? And this is the same thing to a certain degree that we see on the tennis court with a lot of tennis coaches, right? Like Mm -hmm. you get broken down, right? Most of the time, unless like everything's going perfect, you make no mistakes and you win every match, right? Otherwise, like, you know, the coaches like, you know, in your year, like, you know, but, and this is the system we live in, right. Which is for me, like really scary. Like, don't make a mistake. Cause ah, you know, like, or, you know, don't lose because yeah. Yeah. It's just. So, I mean, there are two pieces to this, Michelle. One is raising awareness for the adults in the room right? To build sensitivity around what you say, how it impacts the children that might be listening and likely are listening, even if they don't appear to be, and how that influences and shapes the type of person that child becomes and what they're comfortable saying out loud and the regard or disregard that they have for how their words impact others, right? So there's that piece of it. 
But then the other side of it is how do we help the child process these types of comments and compartmentalize them and not let the comments influence who they are, that they're just words from somebody. And that's, it's easy to say that to a kid, but when you're the one that's being targeted with the harsh words, and even if they're not said in a harsh manner, but you know, kids interpret things all kinds of ways. I mean, shoot, so do adults. So Mm -hmm. it's helping the children learn how to manage those comments and maintain their, their positive sense of self and not go down that rabbit hole of, oh my gosh, so-and-so said this about me. That must mean I'm a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so the former, right. Like how parents are with their kids, that needs to start like at a very young age, right? That doesn't start at 10 or 11, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, obviously we're not talking about like knowing that the child is six foot two when they're two, but you know, that is like figuring out like how to communicate with your child, Mm -hmm. right. And communicate with them in a positive way, right. When they're like two, three, four, five, all the way up. So that needs to start like really young. But all that work can be undone, you know, with one bad comment, right? Well, especially if the kid is at that kind of prepubescent beginning of adolescent stage where they're already like dealing with the hormones and the mood swings and all of those things. It doesn't take much to set off a preteen. Well, it doesn't, but I mean, I think that um, if they have a history of building their armor, then that armor is going to definitely help protect them when those things start to happen as they're in that, like, you know, again, around the age of 11 or 12, where Mm -hmm. like everything's starting to change, right? School is starting to get more developmentally, things are changing mentally, emotionally, psychologically, things are changing. So it's about building the armor, like starting to build the armor, when they're younger, yeah. right? So that they have that resilience when they get older. It doesn't mean that they're going to be totally resilient because like, I mean, we all get our feelings hurt by people, yeah. right? Saying things and doing things, um, you know, and then I think when kids, um, when kids get to that age, right? It's still about communicating, right? I think the big piece for me, Lisa, really is this communication piece between parents and kids that are- This is why I like you so much. (laughs) (laughs) It's so lacking, so lacking. And look, that still doesn't mean that your kid's going to listen to you when she's 12, 13, 14, 15 necessarily. But it does mean if you open up the lines of communication when kids are younger, that again, like that, that will be part an inherent part of the system, right? As they're getting older, right? And you can have these conversations around like, you know, how was school, like what happened? And, you know, I'm here to support, like, what do you need? What's going on, right? Like so many of these conversations that parents feel like they can't have with their kids now, I swear to goodness, could partially be avoided if there was, more open communication when kids were younger. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, seriously, like, look, I don't, I don't think that's, that's the, that's going to fix everything. But, you know, if you have open dialogue with your child starting younger, right. 
And you're also helping them to be autonomous, which that's another thing that's like fallen by the wayside right now. Kids yeah. being autonomous, like what? They can't make the decision to save their life, right? right? But if that was instilled along with like communication and decision-making when kids were a little bit younger, think about it, right? Like that's where it all starts. And that then becomes part of the system that keeps moving forward. Right. Well, so let me ask a couple things kind of in response yeah. to all that. First of all, for the most part, people that are going to be listening to this, their kids are already past age two, three, four, right? So sure. the foundation's been set. Yeah. So I I don't ever want to leave anyone feeling like it's too late for my child. You know, I've missed the opportunity. Absolutely. So can we talk about if you didn't do those things when they were toddler, young children, what can you do starting today to help them start to build that armor? So that's one, one question. The other thing is finding the balance between creating strong, resilient, autonomous, self-sufficient children versus entitled children. And there is a fine line there. Okay. So where, shed some light. Like <laughs> shed uh, some light. Okay. So yes, I never want parents to feel that way either. I spend a lot of time talking to parents and working with them and helping to support them. Right. For this very sure. reason, because I don't want them to feel bad or helpless or whatever. Um, so here's what I tell them. Uh, they, they are unfortunately going to be able to build the foundation, right? It's just not going to be able to happen. But what you can do is you can communicate more, ask a lot of good open-ended questions. Give us an example of that. How can I help? How can I be supportive? What do you need? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then listen, right. It's like, ask the question and then listen to whatever comes up. Right. So again, like, I feel like communication is the crux of a lot of what we're talking about and it's never too late, but it's got to be different than it was when they were little. right? Right. Like now it's about like, I, you know, parents telling kids what to do, right. And making all their choices and their decisions for them. We have to move away from that now. Mm -hmm. Right. We have to move into the space where we're asking more and we're listening more. And we are, we, we do what I call, we come alongside them. Right. So if you think about like putting your arm around like your son, right. That needs to be more of the relationship rather than this, like face-to-face, like, let me tell you what to do. Here's how it is. And this is what you need to do next. Right. Like, yeah. So that's what I often suggest to parents is like, ask good open-ended questions, listen a lot, lot more, right? Um, and let your kids know that you are there, right? I love you. I'm here for you. I want to support you. And I think not lastly, but be authentic and genuine, right? Like so many That's times, huge. I, I, so, so many times I tell parents, share your story, right? That doesn't mean like, oh, mom, I don't really want to hear that, right? Like somewhat, like share a little bit of your story. Open Mm -hmm. up, be a little bit vulnerable with your kid, 
right? Say, you know what? I've so been in your place and here's what happened. And here's, you know, here's what happened. Maybe not even here's what I did, Mm -hmm. right? But here's what happened. So I, I do understand what you're going through. One of the things I had to learn going once I started parenting aces and started getting more education and meeting people like you and learning different aspects of being an effective parent. And remember, my tennis player was my third kid. So I'd already done it twice. And God knows what I did to those two kids. But what I learned is to start saying, I didn't do this so well in this situation. So I'm going to just try something different this time. Can we both agree to be open to trying this new way of approaching this issue? Because the way I handled it last time didn't work so well. And like you're saying, be vulnerable, tell your story. And I think having your child understand that you're not perfect, right? We're parents, we're humans, we mess up. And but everything we do comes from a place of loving our kids and wanting the best for them. And so if that message can underlie everything else, then I think our kids are going to be a lot more forgiving than we think they're going to be, or than we give them credit for. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa, that's awesome. I, and I love that. And um, so many good things in, in, in what you're saying about, you know, your situation, right. And I think one of them is like reflecting on this didn't go exactly the way I wanted it to go, but now I have an opportunity to do it differently. And what do I want that to look like? And I'm Mm going to involve you Mm -hmm. because we're part of the process together. Right. So, so many good things in what you're saying, but yeah. Okay. So then the second piece of what I asked you about that fine line between developing these competent, strong, autonomous, self-sufficient children versus entitled children, which we know this whole notion of entitlement has become an epidemic, especially here in the U.S. How, how do we straddle that line effectively and stay on the right side of it? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a huge difference for me between kids who are, you know, resilient and able to make decisions and autonomous and independent and kids who are, um, uh, what's the word you use? Entitled. Entitled. Yeah. For me, there's a a huge difference between those two things. Sure. Like entitled kids, uh, they don't really have to make decisions. Everything's, you know. Okay, I'm going to generalize now. Okay, most things are done for them. Decisions are made for them. Uh, they don't really have to do much. They just show up. Um, you know, a lot of times entitled kids, you know, have the money or the parents have the money and they don't have to worry about that and they get the best of everything. So for me, when I think of entitled, like that's some of like entitlement. Mm-hmm. When I think of autonomous and resilient and able to make decisions and take care of themselves, again, that's like, you know, ask, you know, the communication and the parents asking the right questions, involving them in decision making. Not that, you know, not that their decision is always going to be, you know, like the decision, but right. involving them in the decision making process. So right? even, you know, I talk a lot about 
the whole thing of parents letting their kids carry their own tennis bag and pack their own bag when they're going to practice or they're going to a tournament, right? And sometimes we think, oh, you know, I'm going to just take care of that for them and ease their burden a little bit. You know, it's making their life a little bit easier. They've got a lot on their plate, whatever. But really the message we send when we do things like that for our kid is you're not competent to take care of it. I don't have I don't have faith in you or the confidence in you to handle this on your own so I'm going to do it for you because you're not going to be able to do it well enough. And even if that's not the intended message, even if the message, you know, that we the reason behind it is you know, they've had a hard day, we're just going to help them out this one time. It kids internalize things sometimes very differently than how we hope they're going to. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think some, some kids, um, some kids do internalize it that way. Like I'm not competent. Other kids just feel entitled going back to what you were saying earlier, right? Like, Oh, I'm just going to do it. So I don't really have to worry about it. Right. Things are exactly, things are just going to get done for me and I'm just not going to even have to take care of things. Right. So, um, yeah. So I think it can be, you know, either or, but you know, if parents could say, you know, look, I realize, like, you know, it sounds like, you know, you've had a rough day. It's been long, you know, um, would you like me to help you prepare or what can I do to help you prepare? Right. Mm-hmm. Rather than just jumping in and doing it and, or right. Like getting in that place again and going back to communication, right. Of asking. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, again, like, not that big of a, like, we're not talking about rocket science, right? <laughs> but we're talking about like, that could make a huge change and such a huge shift in how that dynamic between mm-hmm. the parent and the child moves forward mm-hmm. and how the child feels about that situation. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. So I want to go back to this, this, body image thing and this. So we kind of started talking about, you know, if a kid has developed early or developed late and they're being subjected to negative comments around that either by their peers or by other adults. And how do we help our children manage those types of comments? And at the same time, how do we help the adults understand the impact that those comments are having on these children. And hopefully that will lead them to stop making (laughs) the comments. Um, And I want to bring the focus back to that. So by building our children to be building by, by parenting in such a way to help our children become resilient, problem solving, independent, autonomous beings that gives them the tools that hopefully are going to help them when they're put in these situations. However, even the strongest, most resilient, most self-confidence kid, self-confident kid sometimes is going to hear something that just triggers a response and they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. But if you communicated with them, or even if you, you know, hadn't, and now are trying to, right. You know, here's the thing, right? Like kids now come home from school and something like this happens and they 
many kids will not say anything. Right. But 20 years ago, or maybe in my era, maybe in your era, I'd come home and I'd be crying. Yeah. Right. So huge difference there, right. In how we deal with what's happening. Mm. Right. And again, if your kid knows that, you know, you are there to support them, right. And you're checking in with them and you're asking open-ended questions um, and they're starting to feel, or they're feeling more comfortable sharing with you. Right. Mm. Then you can have a dialogue. Right. Right. You know, if a, if a girl, if a girl comes to her mom and says, you know, or the mom says, you know, Hey, how was your day? Good. Uh, I am sensing something is not quite good. You know, would you like to talk about it? No. Right. So sometimes, and sometimes you got to poke a little bit more, right. (laughs) Especially right in this place where maybe there wasn't a lot of communication and now you're trying to communicate with them. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you have to build that trust with your child too, right? Right. You have to build up to a point where they feel like if they tell you, you're going to respond in a way that's supportive and helpful and loving and not just go into, you know, tiger mom mode or tiger dad mode and try to fix everything. That's right. But rather to help your child figure out how to fix it. Right. Because that's the ultimate thing, right? We want our kid to have the tools to be able to face these types of comments and have a a response ready, be prepared for it. Whether the response is, um, you know, I don't even know what the appropriate response would be if, if a kid overheard an adult saying, Uh, look at her. There's no way she belongs in the 12 and unders. Look how tall she is. And what do you do then 12 year old little girl in response to that? Because I've taught you as your mom to be respectful of adults. Yeah. So what's the respectful response that is not going to get you in trouble, not going to make you um, be a target for future comments. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a tough yeah. call. No, it, it's it's definitely a tough call. And again, like I think I think one of the things we're missing here, right, is that that should impact, right? That, I mean, anyone. I would if someone said that, like you know, your hair's too white, or you know, you're too skinny, or yeah, you know, I would have a sense of like, oh, huh, right. I yeah. think we all would, right. And so, but then we have to teach kids like, you know, this is the, you know, and here's how I talk to my clients, even if they're 12, right? Like I talk to them about like, okay, well, that's someone's opinion, right? Is that how you feel about yourself? Right. Or is that how you see yourself? How do you feel about yourself? Right. And. But what should the response be in the moment, Michelle? Because I think this is really the issue. Like. Parents are getting away with saying that kind of stuff. Coaches are getting away with saying that kind of stuff at tournaments. I mean, I've heard it. I And, you know, as I mentioned before, I mean, I've had parents reach out to me and say, I need help with this. Like, this is going on and we need to put a stop to it, whether it's stopping the adults by educating them or having the kids learn 
coping mechanisms and responses that are appropriate in the moment. We need to arm them. Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, again, I mean, I think one of the ways I arm kids is to recognize that, you know, some of that is out of your control. Right. And it doesn't really have anything to do with you, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, you know, that's, that can sometimes be a hard road to go down. Right. Um, Yeah. But he's, he or she said it about me. I understand they're just having a bad day. No, but we, you know, we talk about like, yeah, I understand. Um, I was talking to uh, one of my kids, one of my kids, tennis player the other day about how, uh, yeah, that person said that to you, but you know, they probably are having some like crappy day. Right. And then are taking their like whatever out on you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, I try to build up this like internal motivation in kids. Right. So that they're not always so impacted by all of these things, like good or bad from the outside. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, comparing themselves to other kids, like, Oh, that kid, you know, UTR, blah, 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 blah. blah. I have to be blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Right. Like all of these things. Um, so again, like part of it is like building up like this internal, like sense of like, I'm okay as, as me, mm-hmm. right. Who am, who am I? Right. Like, you know, and sometimes I'll do this exercise with kids and, you know, parents can do this exercise with their kids. Like, you know, who am I? Like, write everything down. Like, I'm 6'2, I'm 150 pounds, I'm blah, 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 blah. Right. You know, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Right. And, and like, you know, really sometimes like pointing out like who they are and what they have. Right. And what they like and what they don't like and having a dialogue around that. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think, you know, in the moment we said, yeah, it's a really, it's a really tough thing for a kid to say, okay, well, that's not about me. And I'm just going to let that go. Right. right. Of course. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, mean, I know I, it's just, tough because on the one hand, you just want to tell your kid, just turn around and walk away. Right. Just ignore it, turn around and walk away. But then it sits with them. Because they haven't confronted the person. And it's the same thing if I'm a parent and I hear another parent say something to a child, like what's appropriate for me to do in response to that? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of that you do have to learn to let go and help your kids learn to let go. Yeah. Because, I mean, look, Lisa, the bottom line is, right, if a if a child was to say something to this adult who said something inappropriate, it's probably not going to make an impact anyway. Right. Right. So it really is about going back to, um, you know, having a conversation about how that felt to you in an appropriate way with, you know, your mom or dad or, you know, someone that you trust and respect. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And talking about like, how it made you feel and what's going on and the impact of that um, and what you need to do about that to deal with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Or deal with the impact of that. Right. Because yeah, I mean, I mean, I know I've been in so many situations where I get fired up. I'm like, right. And you know, there, there've been many times in my life where I have spoken up. Right. But it doesn't, it's not, it's, it doesn't make the impact that we think it's going to make. 
right? I mean, the impact really happens when, you know, coaches go through like a training through Mm -hmm. PTR, right? Right. And they learn, really learn and are educated on how to not be spewing like, you know, bad, bad information. But we don't have that for parents. I mean, well, Parenting Aces is here, but unfortunately, probably the parents who need to be hearing that stuff aren't part of our community yet. So it's a matter of kind of, I hate to use the word arming, but, but outfitting the parents who are part of our community with some sort of tactic to help put a stop to these kinds of comments that are directed at these children. And I know, you know, from my own perspective, if I heard a parent saying something like that within earshot of a child, I mean, I'm like you, I get fired up. I'm passionate and I, you know, stuff starts spewing out of my mouth. And before I know it, I've like made the situation way worse. So (laughs) it's better if I can prepare ahead of time and have these tools available to me that I've really, you know, mindfully honed and, and incorporated into who I am as a person out in the world. And so if I were to hear something, you know, maybe be able to pull that parent aside and say, you know, I'm not sure if you realize, but your words are really having an impact on this child that they're directed toward, even if that's not your intent, that child hears that and you're making them feel bad about themselves and that's not okay. Well, yeah. And I love where you're going with this and I'm totally on board, like 150%. (laughs) But we know, yes. I can guarantee that that is not going to help because like, look, Lisa, if someone's going to say something like that, then they're probably not the person who's going to be able to receive that kind of information and take it in and go, Oh, wow. You know, like, gosh, Lisa's really right about that. Like (laughs) I, I just shouldn't be saying that kind of, you know what I mean though? Seriously. I do. No, I totally don't get me wrong. We all like occasionally have these, what I call oopsies. Right. But you know, for the most part, if someone is going to be saying these things out loud, then I mean, I hate to say it, but unfortunately, like saying something is not going to be helpful. Right. And it's only going to keep you fired up. Right. right? And in this space of like, oh, I can't believe that, that person, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and keep you in this like frustrated, angry, angry space. Right. Um, and I mean, you know, it's and, kind of a control the controllables kind of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. what we teach our kids to do on the court. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I saw that roll of your eyes. Yeah, <laughs> but it's true. It's so it is true. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, really- so in your opinion, is it the best course of action to help the child develop the resiliency? rather than giving them tools to respond directly to yes. someone making those comments. Yes. 100%. Okay. Yep, okay. Absolutely. Yep. I never confronting people is never something that, you know, regardless of age, it's never something that but it feels you know, so good in the moment. I, I know. Right. 
I understand. Yeah. I do. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, um, sorry, my phone's going crazy. Um, so by helping our kids develop these tools, we are helping to shape them to handle all sorts of adversity in their lives, which again goes back to, you know, by 10 year old message with parenting aces of tennis is a microcosm of life. Our kids are learning lessons on the tennis court and around the tennis court that are going to serve them throughout their lives. This is one of those lessons. And it's a sucky lesson for a kid to have to learn that people of all ages are going to find some way to criticize them and make them feel badly in order to make their own self feel better. And that's just kind of the way we work as humans and it's not perfect. And a lot of times it's, it's really not perfect, but we have to learn how to manage that in order to be in the world and in society. Yeah. Because it's not, you know, it's going to happen in different ways in different areas of our life all the time. And yeah, I mean, I think it is sucky, but also it's an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity to sort of figure out and learn, okay, that didn't feel good. Let me think about how I feel about that. Right. And the impact of that. Right. And sort of like, how do I want to move forward from this sort of thing? Mm. Right. And, you know, I know I make it sound really easy and it's not that easy. Right. Right. But uh, I think that throughout our lives, like we have these sucky things that happen all of the time. Yeah. And we are always having to figure out how to deal with these sucky things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think if we can see it as an opportunity, we get better and better at being able to deal with them. And then look, really the, the, the bottom line is then there's less and less impact on us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also as you're talking, Michelle, I'm thinking, you know, as somebody who is the recipient of these types of negative comments, if you are able to really process how that makes you feel and understand that it's not a good way to feel, nobody wants to feel that way. Maybe that makes you more empathetic to the next person that's in a situation where you might be tempted to say something not so nice, but then you kind of draw on your personal experience and say, no, I don't want to make that person feel that way. That's, that was really hurtful. And I don't want to do that to somebody else. So maybe it helps to shape the way they communicate in their lives, right? With other people. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've known many tennis players who have been in sort of like similar situations, right. And they've taken other kids under their wings who mm-hmm. you know, have been being bullied or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. um, which goes back to what you're saying. Um, I think when you've been in that situation and you've been able to like, like move through it or think about it, right. Then it, you're right. You can not only be more empathetic towards, others, but you're able to like reach out and help support others who may be going through similar things. I love that. I, and yeah, I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but absolutely. And it's funny because I talk a lot in, when I talk about coaches, about having mentors and the importance of coaches being mentored by more experienced coaches, the same goes for players, 
right? Yeah. And even a 14-year-old can mentor a 10, 11, 12-year-old and yeah. share the the experience and help that kid because oftentimes coming from somebody that's a little closer in age to you has a bigger impact than if a parent were to say it or a coach were to say it. Yeah, totally. And you know, Lisa, it's so cute. So many, so many times I'll be working with a, you know, with a, with a tennis client and um, so many of them have come back and said, you know, I've taken what we've done together and I have talked to, you know, some of my peers about this, mm-hmm. right? So not, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of an offshoot of what we're talking about, but I think like, yeah, I mean, kids get it, right? When they get it, they get it, mm-hmm. right? And when then they feel like they have a little bit of control over the situation and they're able to deal with the situation, right? In a fairly effectively way, effective way, they want to share that right with, with other kids. And I just, I just think it's, it's such a great thing. So we talk about that a lot about, you know, this generation really making an impact in the world and, you know, how social media is enabling them to reach a much wider audience and have that impact, whether it's positive or negative, obviously. But I think, um, Maybe the takeaway from this conversation, and and I'm really hoping that the parent who reached out to me initially is going to watch this and and hear this, is that we're not going to be able to stop the adults from making the comments because there are just some people out there that are just going to make nasty comments, and that's just in their nature. It's not for us to confront them when they do it. It's not for our child to confront them when they do it, but rather it's for us to empower our child and build in our child the the know-how and the tools to process the comments, not internalize the comments and let them become part of their own self-image. And that, as you said, writing down who I am, yes, your height is part of who you are. Yes, your weight is part of who you are. But more than that, you are the things you love, the things you're passionate about, the things you hate, the things that make you smile and laugh, the things that make you cry. Those are all the important pieces of you, not simply the physical incarnation of your body. Totally. Yeah. No, that's a good summation. I really, I really like that. And uh, I mean, look, I wish... I could say that there was a different way or a better way, but there's just not Mm -hmm. right. And I've been doing this work for 20 years and believe me, if there is a better way to be found, I would have found it, but you know, confronting someone is that's on a whole nother level. Right. And um, it just doesn't get you what you think you want. Really. And right. even even reporting parents to a tournament director or an official, that's not going to do the trick either. I mean, we know yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, cheating as well, right? Like right. the whole thing around cheating. It's yeah. Like, you don't yeah. have any that's control a whole over. Yeah. I know. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> we don't have time for that one today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Yep. That, that was a really good summation. I really, I really okay. like that. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, 
I know you've got stuff to get to do, but before I let you go, can you please share with our audience how they can find you and if they want to work with you, if they have questions for you, if they need to reach out to you, what's the best way to do all that? And we'll have all this in our show notes on parentingaces.com. Okay. Yes, please reach out. Um, Even if you just want to chat for a little bit, I offer a free 30 minute phone console and you know, I love being able to like impart, you know, uh, information, uh, answer questions, whatever it is. Um, my website is, uh, drmichelleclear.com and I'm Lisa will have that in the notes. Um, there's a contact form. My email address is there. I mean, you know, please just feel free to reach out. I, uh, I love being able to talk to people about this stuff and other things in any way I can help. So awesome. Well, thank you. And it's great to see you now we're on the same coast and at some point we'll meet in person. I think um, (laughs) now that we're both left side of the country, but um, anyway, thank you for taking time to do this. I'm glad it worked out. And I, I really appreciate your wisdom and your insights and Uh, For the parents out there, if you need somebody to walk you through some things, to talk you off the ledge, if things are getting out of control, Dr. Michelle Clear is your person. She is your go-to. So um, again, we'll have her contact information in the show notes along with her website that you'll be able to click on. So go on parentingaces.com and get that info. Michelle, have a great holiday season, and I look forward to talking to you again in the new year. And uh, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Lisa. It's always great to see you. Uh, I just so appreciate you bringing me on and allowing me to, you know, share my information. And yeah, you're just such a great podcast host. It's always so much fun. (laughs) You're very sweet and knowledgeable. And yeah, so thank you so much. And I hope you have a great holiday season too. Thank you. Thank you. You too. You too. To my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.